The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Welcome to Just End the Show, super bummer episode, but made maybe a little bit less of a bummer because we've got friends over for this one. Johnny Christofferson, our in-house Patriots analyst, as I like to call him, my only Patriots fan friend is here. He is in the house. Johnny, how's it going, dude? Doing well, man. Uh, It's a really good week for me. How about you? I've had better weeks, I'm going to be honest with you. And uh, that's our episode. It's been nice having you, Johnny. Um, all right, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> to be clear, I invited Johnny on the pod before the game happened, and I didn't know that this was going to be such a bummer episode. But we do thank you for coming on. Yeah, man. And you probably had higher hopes for uh, for this game. <laughs> oh, that's safe to say. Yeah. Do you guys just want to talk about Pick'em League and you know reminiscing about yeah. college days? Yeah. College days. And That's why I brought Johnny on. It's just to reminisce about uh, <laughs> university. Yeah. Yeah. Th- that was a thing we did. It's a, it was a time. Johnny was my first college roommate for for the uh, for one whole year. For one whole year. It was That's right. It was scary. <laughs> <laughs> for you, I think I think I was fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just remember one time you uh, you passed out, and we all tried to oh, yeah. wake you up by hitting you multiple times in the face yeah. and until our RA told us to stop. And uh, and I woke up with all kinds of like drawings and stuffed animals, and yeah, I remember this. <laughs> remember this well. Yeah, even this is more pleasant than talking about Zach. <laughs> <laughs> That's how bad it was. But honestly, though, this the game was bad for you guys, definitely. But overall, the Jets have had like a pretty decent season what are they five and three five and three yeah five and three and trending downward the arrow's pointing down but uh i was gonna say the first episode this year seth you were like uh we're a quarterback away from being a good team and uh here we are yeah a quarterback away from being a good team (laughs) eight games in and hasn't that rung true the other 52 players on this roster are pretty good pretty good there is one there's one issue. I should say the 50 players on this team are pretty good because three of them are quarterbacks. I don't have any respect for Joe Flacco. Uh, Zach Wilson is trash until he proves himself to be not trash, which may or may not ever happen. And we're huge Mike White guys. We're huge fans of backup, not third string, backup quarterback Mike White. The Jets made a change at backup quarterback for the rest of the season. He's been moved up. They said, you've done a shit job, Joe. As for to a guy who's been on the bench for three weeks, they said, get out of the way. It's Mike's turn to get these second team reps. So hopefully, I think this is like a sneaky backdoor way of making Mike White the starter as Zach struggles mightily, but we will see. I am holding out hope we will see Mike White the starting quarterback this season. Salah said, we're not changing quarterbacks, but uh, I don't believe him. I've heard that moms are a big fan of Zach Wilson, though. And he's a big fan of theirs. <laughs> he's yeah, clearly, yeah. It's uh, you. Do you honestly think that that he's possibly going to get benched during the season? Could you see that? Because there's a whole conversation to have. He definitely should have gotten benched during this game, and I can't believe that that did not happen. At a certain point, there's one guy who's ruining the game. Now, with Zach Wilson's performance, I was going to ask you: Do you think it's just something with the Patriots? Because that game reminded me of the Sam Darnold game where he said he was seeing ghosts. 
He has thrown, um, this is now, what, seven yeah. combined? No, eight combined interceptions against the Patriots. And, like, he's only thrown, he's thrown more than that. But, like, I, th- I feel like almost half of his interceptions are against the Patriots. So. Yeah, because overall he's been not amazing. But, I mean, again, they've been afloat the the Jets this whole time. So I feel like it's just the Patriots do something to them, which I'm very happy about. I have no problem with that. But I'm just curious on your takes on that. Yeah, I think to answer your question, it's a little bit of both. Belichick is obviously a coach that has his number. You can look up the stats against Belichick coach teams and rookie quarterbacks. He eats rookies for breakfast. Uh, he always has. And Zach, in in essence, is really still a rookie because he was injured for so many games last year. This was only his 18th game. This was really like the first game of his right. sophomore season, if you do the math. So um, obviously, I think that this is a Patriots thing. This is a Belichick thing. It presents a problem for Zach for sure. With that said, I think that just kind of lowers Zach's ceiling. I think that he is trash against everybody, and then it's like Bill Belichick teams especially. I think I think the answer to your question is a little column A and definitely a little bit of column B. And he hasn't played, in my opinion, he hasn't really played that well this season at all. And in terms of the interceptions, there's been a number of them in other games where he could have had more. Uh, and they were either dropped or, you know, just somebody stepped out of, there was a, that one in the Steelers game where somebody was out of bounds. So there's like been, you know, this is like the first really bad interception game, I think, but, uh, of this season, but there's definitely been other ones in the past where it could have gotten worse. The thing, the main thing to me is like, he seems like he takes the ball. He looks, makes one read, and if it's not there, then he just starts dancing around in the backfield. And uh, there's been a bunch of times, there was a second and five, he could have scrambled for a first down. There's so many plays where I just don't understand why he's not using his legs, because when you see him evading tacklers and stuff, he can do it. But then it's just he has to throw the ball out of bounds or make a... He just makes a lot of really boneheaded plays. <laughs> and I just, I don't... At this point, the 18 games into it, at a certain point, yeah, like, do you keep counting how many games in, you know, it's like a kid at a certain month, it's like <laughs> they're 24 months old. It's like, right. <laughs> you know, you have to stop at some point. You're just say two, like, you know, yeah, he's played 18, like at a certain point. Was, I yeah. think it's like, maybe the point's like 20 games. It's like, okay, you're an NFL quarterback. Like you got to start showing up for things and we're not seeing it from Zach. And I, I think it's important to remember too, at the beginning of this game, it was looking good for the Jets and he was actually looking pretty good for the first, like what, 20 or so minutes of the game. He was looking good. He was making passes and then he throws that interception and it's like, it all goes to hell after that, like for the whole team. And it's kind of, that's where it started feeling like the same old Jets and same old Jets versus Patriots syndrome kind of thing. But uh, I think I'm coming away from this game being like, we're a quarterback away, which is exactly what, what they, they thought. We are where we started with that. Yeah. I mean, the escapability from Zach was on full display in this game, especially in the first half. He was incredible at that, and it seemed like he had to dodge a sack on just about every dropback. I don't know if this is a Elijah Vera Tucker being out for the season thing or best offensive lineman or what, but Zach was under fire literally this entire game, and he was able to get out of pressure every time. And like you said, Kevin, he refuses to pick up yards with his legs. I don't know why he refuses to just run forward and pick up yards. We saw some good throws in the first half. He had the deep ball to Garrett Wilson. That was impressive. The touchdown to Tyler Conklin. Uh, was a tight window throw right on the money. But in the second half, whatever Belichick told his team in, in that locker room, or whatever adjustments that the Patriots made in the second half, there was absolutely no answer for Zach. 
And if you look at all three of his interceptions, they're like no chance throws. It's not like he's ripping it up the sideline and, well, the safety came down with it. It is what it is. No, he's just throwing it directly to the other team to the point where you don't even see Jets in the picture. Both of those majority picks, you, you look and you're like, okay, well, which Jet was he throwing it to? Because I see white jersey, white jersey, white jersey. And that's, that's what I was going to say. The, the second interception was just a lob up to the Patriots. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even like he was throwing it to anybody. Johnny, this game did not go as I expected. I actually thought the Jets were going to come away with a win. I thought they were the better team on the whole. I would not take Zach over Mac Jones, but I thought, you know, roster for roster, I, I thought they kind of had an edge in this game. They were at home, and this game did not go at all how I thought it would. Is this how you thought it would go down from, like, a Patriots fan perspective? I guess you're used to kicking the Jets' butts, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, this is this makes a baker's dozen for us. 13 wins in a row over the Jets. So, I mean, I didn't expect it to be as... I wouldn't even say below because the first quarter, the first half, honestly, was really close, and then it just kind of got away from the Jets. I was actually worried a decent amount in the first half that the Jets were going to win. So I wasn't, won't say that I was fully confident because I wasn't. You know, I feel it on paper. I think the Jets are a better team overall, roster for roster. I will agree with you on that. Uh, I just think our defense really does know how to step it up. Like, I think we're one of the top five defenses right now in the league. Like, we know what to do to kind of stop and we know how to readjust when it comes to the second half. And I think that's really where our strengths are. And if we're literally, you said you're a quarterback away, we're a wide receiver away from being a good team, in my opinion. We have no receivers that have more than like two touchdowns for the season right now. So like if we had somebody good, then I would say it's no problem. We're going to win no matter what, because our offense is just so weak. I really didn't know how this game would pan out. Yeah, I mean, you're rocking with Devontae Parker, who the Dolphins let walk, and Nelson Aguilar, who the Eagles could not wait to get rid of, is really your top two. So I, I agree with you, Johnny. If they get Max some more weapons, maybe he'd look a little bit better. And Max, one of the things that I wanted to get into in this game, is we had a mini quarterback controversy, I guess you could call it, last week. Mac Jones looks bad against the Bears on Monday night. They go to Bailey Zappi. And although the Patriots ended up losing that game, Zappi immediately throws a touchdown pass and has the crowd in a frenzy. Do you? What do you think of, of Bailey Zappi and that, that, that quote-unquote quarterback controversy for the Patriots? I think it's one of those things where Zappi seems good, He especially the games that he was playing when Mac was out. So I think he is a decently strong quarterback, but he is still learning, just like Mac Jones is still learning. So I think it's not even a controversy as more of – some people were actually saying Mac is washed up. This is literally the second season. That's like you guys saying Zach Wilson's washed up, which I guess you kind of are in a way. Uh, but, like, it really, to me, is where Mac should be our quarterback until proven otherwise that he really can't handle it. We have the mentorship of Brian Hoyer. Belly Zappi, I feel like, is still developing and learning and, and doesn't really know what he's doing fully. And neither does Mac, but, like, you can't just give up on somebody that you wasted a first-round draft pick on. So you're in Camp Mac Jones, rocking as your starter for the rest of the season, at least until he proves otherwise. Oh, 100%. I'm, I'm, I'm down for him for the next season as well. I have a dynasty league, and he's one of my quarterbacks in dynasty. I know Patriots Twitter was very split on this. There was a lot of pro Zappy put Zappy in now. Yeah, there was the crowd was go was like uh, and oh uh, wild uh, chanting for him too. So yeah, I thought he had won over a lot of the. I think he has won over a lot of the Pats fans, but he did until the second half of the Bears game. 
Yeah, <laughs> that was, and you think that was enough to kind of make people think that you're they're at least on equal ground, basically. Yeah, a hundred percent. They're they're on equal grounds where I think Mac really showed that he was furious what what was happening. I think he just kind of went into practice studying a little bit more, practicing a little bit harder, and it really showed in this game where yeah, he wasn't amazing, but he was able to keep them afloat for the most part. I didn't think that Mac looked that good in this game, but uh, it is worth noting that the Jets' defensive line is pretty solid. And I thought, I thought overall defensively, I'm, I'm coming away from this game as a Jets fan, very pleased. I think they held uh, the Pats like the yards per play was like very low, average. It was like three or something like that. And I, I think the Jets even had more than that, if you can believe it, probably because of the long plays and stuff. So the Jets' defense, to your point, Kev, I think really played great in this game. And if you go back and watch the highlights of this game really gave up about, on their own, seven points. I think there was one drive in the game. The Patriots started on their own 25, drove down the field, got the touchdown. I think that happened one time. I felt like all the other points New England scored were field goals or touchdowns off great field position that Zach Wilson handed them from interception. Or they tried like a weird like kickoff gimmick where the Patriots ended up getting the ball at the 40-yard line, right? They just tried to squibber at one point. Which I didn't understand. If your defense is playing this well, you know, no offense to Mac Jones, it doesn't terrify you, especially with this receiving core that Johnny pointed out. The ball through the end zone and make them go 75 yards. I didn't understand the kickoff, the squib kick gimmick. And obviously, I, I, like I said, I think we're just handing the Patriots field position all day. We really made it as easy as possible on that offense. So I don't think we'd scored a ton of points otherwise. If you take all three of those Zach interceptions and you make them throw the ball away instead, if we change every interception to an eventual punt, I think the Jets win this game. Not even into completions, into punts. I think they ultimately win this game at the end of it. Yep. They really needed like a C plus, C minus performance from Zach, and they got a straight F. I was going to say that, uh, you know, sports podcaster slash uh, Patriots stan, if there ever was one, Bill Simmons said those exact words. If they even have a competent performance from Wilson, this game goes the other direction. And I agree with that, and I think there's a lot of bit. I think there's been a lot of talk about specific moments in the game, um, and we're gonna have to talk about it at some point. That it has to be brought up about the whole roughing the passer situation after Mac throws that pick, and you know that's a whole other topic. But before we kind of get to dive into that fully, that that's kind of my takeaway from this game is that it doesn't really matter if you break those kind of things down, right? Any close football game has three or four plays where you go, oh, if this went one direction or the right. other with the refs or, you know, the, somebody's foot out of bounds or whatever. But you you come away from this game, and it, as a Jets fan, it's like this was a winnable game against the Patriots, and the quarterback blew it. Yeah, I was going to say, as a Patriots fan, I 100% agree with you that I said our defense really does keep us in this game. But if Wilson, you know, if he actually did – smarter plays if he threw it away then you guys had a really good chance of actually winning and that's why I said earlier that it kind of reminded me of the Sam Darnold game of seeing ghosts because he's not making those right decisions he's not throwing it away he's not scrambling he's just too scared to do anything at this point and I don't know why it is with Jets quarterbacks and the Patriots defense but I mean I'm happy about it but I don't know why that happens Let's take a break, and then I wanted to get that controversial Franklin Myers roughing the passer that really changed this game. So I think one of the real turning points in this game, or I guess the real turning point, was the Jets up 10-3. to 
in the second quarter. Mac Jones throws an interception to Michael Carter the second that gets returned for a touchdown. It's 16-3 with an extra point pending. And hold on, there's a flag on the field. Don Franklin Myers was flagged for roughing the passer on the play. Uh, this set Twitter like absolutely ablaze. Half the people were just Jets fans complaining about the call versus Patriots fans defending the call. And then the other half of it was people not even talking about whether the call was correct or not. It was people talking about whether the rule was fair or not. Because Mac released the ball, then the penalty happens. People are like, well, the, the play should count. It should just be yards against the Jets. The interception should count because it came after Mac released it. And it's like, well, that, that's not the way the rule is written. The rule is written so that the Patriots get the 15 yards on offense and just continue their drive. I don't have a huge problem with the rule because I think that opens up a huge can of worms if you start having to legislate, okay, well, when did he release it versus when does he get hit? I don't love going down that rabbit hole. And I got to tell you, I kind of sided with the Patriots fans on Twitter. I thought the hit was a little late from Franklin Myers. I know Sala was flipping out and that's his guy, but what did you see on that play, Kev? And then I want to get uh, Johnny's opinion as well. Oh, this is this is interesting. I thought I thought maybe I was going to be the dissenting vote among us, but I agree with you. I think that I I guess my overarching opinion is that in general with roughing the passer calls, I think it's it comes down to a judgment call almost 100% of the time with the refs, so it just depends on whether or not you put yourself in the position to get called. And he did. And this is the second time there was one in don't tell me the Bengals game. There was a similar situation with JFM and roughing the passer call. So it seems like he's been in this situation before. And I think I, I'm guessing it's one of those things that once the refs kind of know if you know if you have a reputation for something like that, that they might be more kind to. But yeah, just on on the play itself, I thought that it qualified for roughing the passer. But it's one of those calls that I always feel like it's it comes down to a judgment call most of the time, and so it's he shouldn't be in a position to be there. What do you think, Johnny? I mean, hey, I'm happy you guys are on my side. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't expect both of us to be, honestly. Yeah, I didn't expect us to go three for three, damn. <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, I'm not going to go against it, honestly. I mean, let's be honest. But what I think about it is we're really in a quarterback's league, you know, protecting the quarterback. There's all these different rules to protect the quarterback where if they see anything that seems like even a fraction of a late hit, they have to kind of throw that flag. And I understand that. There was the pick six, and that is why I think the Jets fans are upset. If there was literally, if this was just an incomplete, I don't think anyone would have complained at all. Like, it's just because it was the pick six, and it was a swing that could have made that momentum, given the Jets the upper hand. That is why I think it really came down to being such a, you know, decisive call and why people were so upset with it. People would complain, but everybody complains about everything. Oh, everyone would complain, but it wouldn't be as big of a deal because it just was an incomplete at that point. Right. The rule change thing was only, uh, yeah, I hadn't, this idea had never really occurred to me, but um, it's kind of funny. It reminds, in in conjunction with what happened in that Carolina-Atlanta game where you have the guy rip his helmet off uh, after the touchdown and then there's the enforcement on the point after. And that does somehow seem a little bit more fair to me just in general to say, well, this thing that happened after the play, you know, if, if John Franklin Myers had, you know, after the pick six was already done, ripped his helmet off, right, it would be the same situation where you get 15 yards to be enforced. And if it's not something that affects the, the play, then that seems like it makes more sense. But it's what Johnny is saying is the reason that it is. It's because that they they want as strict 
uh, penalty as you can get on the quarterback getting hurt or, or you know, getting hit. Um, the one that I thought was complete total bullshit that, uh, it, you know, we've been nice so far, so I'll go total jet stand <laughs> uh, ref thing was Mac. Ru- he, Mac is an active runner and he has his head down and he, the guy hits him with his shoulder and that's a penalty. Like if you're an active, he's he's running forward. This It's tackle football. It's not a helmet to helmet. How is that a flag? I don't understand. It feels like Josh Allen takes like 15 of those a game that don't get called. I, I just that was one where I was like that. Come on. What is that call? Yeah, I was going to say, I totally agree with you. That is one where I was like, ooh, Jets fans are going to be mad because I, I do, like, I see that shouldn't have been called. That was literally Jones was putting his head down. You're and I forgot who tackled it's him. tackle football. Fuck well, not that, but I forgot who it was that tackled him, but he was going lower to not get helmet to helmet. He got his helmet got hit by a shoulder. What fucking sport is this? Was this figure skating? Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right, I'm done. You saw the play. CJ Mosley lowers his shoulder so that he's not leading with his head. And then at the last second, Mac Jones does lead with his helmet that ends up making contact with Mosley's shoulder, and it's a penalty on Mosley. There was literally nothing he could have done differently. The only argument that you could make on that play he could have done differently was you could say, okay, well, maybe he could have wrapped him up instead of popping him with the shoulder. That was a play where Mac's trying to get a first down. It's going to be a game of inches whether he, on a third down, by the way, it's going to be a game of inches whether he reaches that first down marker or not. Mosley's job is to pop him backwards to ensure that he does not, he does everything right and ends up with a 15-yard penalty. When you saw Mosley after the play just sort of throw his hands up, right? He just shrugged his shoulders like, I don't know what you want me to do. And Rob Sala was correctly freaking out about that call, which I believe ultimately led to a Patriots field goal. So it's not as if it didn't lead to points. And you see Jones actively leaning forward so he can get that first down. You know, if he was yep, just of running course. upright, then there wouldn't have been any call at all because he would have gotten tackled below the neck or below yeah. the head. Right, which, as, as he should, he should be diving forward to get the first down. Everyone did exactly what they're supposed to within the rules. Everyone does what they're supposed to on that play, and it's just a, a shame that the refs got that one wrong. We're agreeing a lot more than I thought. This is going well. <laughs> well, I didn't expect you guys to agree. It's like I like how we all can, we all just agree at this point. Maybe it's just football fans at this point. We're all like, look, the refs just we're, they're all just dog shit. Like everybody just oh, agrees, and we all just move on. <laughs> I feel like it was more provincial though. It used to be like it used to be people being like, oh yeah, it's all the Patriots going to go. Now it's like there's still good that's going on, but then there's people being like, we should change the rules. You know, like it's like let's band together against these refs. I don't know. I have friends that are Patriots fans, and they'll literally be like. Like, oh, like, I can't believe that didn't get called or I can't believe that got called. Like, something against the Patriots. I'm like, no, it should have been called. That was literally the right call. So, like, I have no problem speaking up when I think that the Patriots get an easy kind of penalty like that one. Because, like, it really is one of those things where you have to think about it subjectively of is it the right call? Is it the wrong call? Like, that was the wrong call at that point. The interception one was the right call, in my opinion. I am glad we do these pods on a couple days removed, though, because if we did them on Sunday, I feel like it might be my tone would be a little bit different. I definitely like may or may not have like punched something made of metal like during a game. I'm like, I'm too old to be doing stuff like this. This is a bad idea. (laughs) I really need to calm down. But anyway, um, I'm glad I'm glad everything's copacetic on this podcast, though. It's going well. (laughs) (laughs) We all agree Zach's bad and we all agree the refs are bad. Yeah, Kevin, you absolutely don't want raw, unfiltered Jets talk on a Jets podcast right after the game on a, on a Sunday afternoon. That's That would not make for good content. It'd make for explicit content. Yeah. But I don't know if it would make for good content. You should do a YouTube live where you guys are doing this while the game's happening. Does YouTube allow swearing? Does that, is that a thing? Oh, easily, yeah. That's for the um, 
Jets OnlyFans account. That's you got to pay. You got to pay top dollar. Not nudity <laughs> though. So Seth, I'm sorry. I mean, if Mike White comes in, we're going to have to be on nudity watch with Seth. <laughs> you know, I like to watch my football in the nude. Come on, guys. There's no way it happens, right? Come on. Do you think there's any way they pull him in the regular season, like sit, like bench him for a game? I don't think there is, and I think that this game proves it. Because if you didn't go out and get Zach in this game after the first pick or the second pick, which was somehow worse, if you don't go go out and get Zach in this game, there is no leash. He has an unlimited leash. Clearly, Salah has proven that, right? There's no circumstance short of injury where we're going to see Mike White this season, and that is a damn shame because I think Mike White, as of right now, gives this team the best chance to win. They need a mediocre quarterback who can go out there and game manage the shit out of these games to victories, and Zach's not capable of it. He makes too many mistakes. I'd rather have the guy who just doesn't make mistakes and doesn't wow you at all in there, like Mike White. Even his name isn't good. His name is boring, yeah. Well, originally we were we had started with when we were looking at the depth chart last year, and we were like, "Is this Mike White? Is this a real guy? Or is this like a like a witness protection program name?" The thing that Zach did look like he could actually be a game manager for the first like twenty minutes of the game, but that's the thing. It's like you didn't draft Zach Wilson to be a guy who stands in the pocket and makes one read or throws the ball away, right? He was supposed to be this, like, dynamic playmaker guy, and he's going to be like Rodgers combined with Mahomes or whatever. And it's like, you know, and so I see him being able, like, trying to evade these tackles and stuff. He's got that aspect of it, but the actual game decision, the the, the thing where, you know, those guys complete passes downfield or make plays with their legs, he's just not doing that part. So this is probably the first time I'm going to disagree with you. What you were saying before is after the first interception that Wilson threw that they should have benched him, I feel like no quarterback, no starting quarterback that is supposed to be your starter that you are using a first-round draft pick on should be benched in the first half unless they do really bad. Like he only threw the one interception in the first half. It's different if he threw three interceptions in the first half. Then I can see him getting replaced. Um, I, and I understand, like, I'm kind of almost a hypocrite because Zappi did replace Mac Jones in the first half of the Bears game, but I also feel like that was one of those things where Belichick was really trying to see which quarterback was going to be his starter moving forward, while right now it does seem that the Jets really do have Wilson as their guy, but I do see, I don't see uh, Mike White ever starting a game, but I do see him coming into the second half if Wilson does that bad in the first half. Yeah, I honestly uh, wouldn't have benched him after the first interception in this game either. But I think I would have benched him in the fourth quarter at some point because it just seemed like... I would have benched him after the second interception. Yeah. I would have given him the one, yeah. After the second pick, the McCourty toe-tap along the sideline interception, throw to nobody, I would have taken him out of the game at that point. I could have intercepted that. It literally was to nobody. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's the point. There's not a jet in the picture. There's not a jet in the frame. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the point I would have gone with, and I and I I think also Sala burned some of his timeouts in the third quarter, right? Which just that just drives me nuts when it's a close game. I just hate that so much. Whether that's like a Jedi mind trick Belichick thing, because I think some of them were like they looked at the defenses and called timeout, but oh god, like that's just yeah. I I, I wasn't really happy. I was unhappy with uh, Sala's coaching performance for the first time. I think we've talked about on here. I've just been I don't know. I would have been. I I think that this was a close game and. I get being loyal to him. Yeah, I would. I, you don't pull him after one pick or something like that. But like, he, at a certain point, the guy's you know he's not doing it out there. You got you've got other people to bring in. I, it just seems like if one person is is causing that many, you know, if a, if a running back fumbles the ball for 
the other team gives it up three times. You don't like just keep handing them the ball. I know quarterbacks different, but I don't know. It just seemed like in a win an actual winnable game, there was a way to do that. But totally random. But I remember when uh, Brady went to the Bucks his first season. Ronald Jones fumbles the ball in like the first five minutes, and then Brady makes sure he does not play the rest of that game. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's it. And the legend of Leonard Fournette and Tampa was born in that moment. It really was, yeah. Ronald Jones was the incumbent starter that nobody remembers because it was very short-lived. <laughs> I had Fournette on my fantasy team that year. I was really happy. <laughs> so one of the other things I want to get into is trade deadline talk. That's one of the added benefits of recording this on November 1st after 4 p.m. The NFL trade deadline has come and gone, and we're going to talk about that after a quick break. <laughs> So coming back, the Jets did make a minor move. They traded Jacob Martin and a fifth-round draft pick to the Denver Broncos to acquire the Denver Broncos' fourth-round draft pick. So they basically spent defensive end Jacob Martin to move up from a fifth to a fourth. And the reason that the Broncos did that trade is because they've got to get another pass rusher in their building because Bradley Chubb went to the Dolphins in exchange for a first-round pick. The Jets and the Dolphins were the two teams vying for Bradley Chubb's services. We knew sort of last night, we knew on Monday night that there was a first round pick on the table for Bradley Chubb. We didn't know from who. We didn't know if it was from the Jets, from the Dolphins, or from a third surprise team. Turns out it was from the Dolphins all along. I don't want to speculate. It's possible that the Broncos chose the Dolphins first over the Jets first. But if I had to guess, I would say that Joe Douglas was not willing to match that price. I I would be surprised if the Jets put a first-round pick on the table as well for kind of an aging pass rusher in, in Bradley Chubb to come to a team that already has Franklin Myers and Carl Lawson. You've got Jermaine Johnson coming back from injury. I didn't think defensive end was a massive need for the Jets. I know that Chubb is better than all three of those players I've just named, but this was not a massive need for a, a Jets team that, Zach Wilson or not, is win in win-now mode. So I actually I don't mind them letting the Dolphins cough off the first pick there. What do you, what do you think, Kev? Are we okay with, with not landing Chubb? Uh, yeah. Like, I mean, like you say, obviously, it, uh, an incredible talent. It's always would be nice to add him. But I couldn't agree more. Douglas, if we know anything about this guy at this point, it's that he's pretty good at the trade thing, and he does not like to uh, he does not like to spend more than he needs to in assets. And, and he seems to be on the winning end of a lot of, a lot of the stuff that he does, especially draft-wise. So... Um, you know, and looking at the all the great rookies that we have in this on this Jets team, it's a testament to to his drafting. So, uh, yeah, not not getting him is you know going to be a bummer because he's he's great, but uh, it doesn't surprise me that that move doesn't get made. I have a question in turn to ask you: Are you surprised that Elijah Moore is still on the team? I am a little surprised. Um, as some of our listeners know, I was pretty confident that Elijah Moore was going to get moved just by being a bad teammate. Uh, and so not only was Elijah Moore not traded, but Elijah Moore did start this past week. I know it may have been tough to tell because he was targeted zero times again, but he was active. He was out there. He did play snaps in this Jets-Patriots game. And like you said, Kevin, he's still here. So it, it appears that the Moore and the Jets, at least in some ways, at least, you know, maybe it's just for the media, but they've kind of made up here and they're and they're moving forward. I just want to go back real quick. Did you say Bradley Chubb's an aging pass rusher at 26 years old? I did, yeah. 
I see. I, I, well, that's one I'll definitely disagree with you on. I think <laughs> I think Chubb is definitely a force to be reckoned with, and if he's on a decently good team like the Dolphins, I feel like the Broncos just they're just not strong at all right now. And I don't know what Russell Wilson's been doing, and that's conversation for another day. But I feel like he is someone that can really up a defense really well with someone like Miami. So I don't know where the aging part comes into because I think he's still pretty strong at twenty six. All right, duly noted. I might have been thinking of um, who is who's on is Von Miller. I think I might have been thinking of Von Miller, who's on Buffalo now. And I was thinking about those Broncos defensive ends. That's true. Bradley Chubb is the same draft class as Nick Chubb, is he not? Uh, twenty eighteen was Bradley Chubb. I think they both come out of the same year. I don't know if Nick Chubb was twenty eighteen or twenty seventeen, but it, but it's close. The point is, he is young. You're correct. So. If you're keeping track, you know that our episodes typically don't go too much longer than this, and we usually spend a good chunk of those episodes talking about the Jets matchup next week and our expectations for that game. Uh, we're not going to do a whole lot of that this week, to be honest with you. The Jets play the Buffalo Bills next week. Not a whole lot to say there, Kev. Josh Allen's going to come into our house, and he's going to give it to us uh, real good. I don't know how much more there is to say about that. Yeah, they're not too good, so don't worry about it. We're gonna, yeah, we're gonna steamroll them. What is the actual line? Fourteen? I can't remember now. It's pretty high. I believe it opened at twelve and a half. I'm gonna check right now to see what it is at the current moment as we record this on Tuesday, November first. This is the first time we've done that this year. Is it high enough, folks? I was gonna say I think with the addition of Naeem Hines, it probably went up a little bit higher. That's right. That's another trade deadline move. That's a great point, Johnny. The Bills did acquire. Naheem Hines today. I know they had interest in Alvin Kamara, and Hines is probably just a you know a poor man's Alvin Kamara, not nearly as good, but does a lot of the same things that Kamara can do receiving out of the backfield. I think yeah, obviously you have to give up a lot less in assets to get a guy like Hines. Um, so I think that was a really savvy move by Buffalo. I liked it. As it stands right now, if you're wondering, FanDuel has next week's game at Buffalo laying 12 and a half. And to me, this is the stay away of all stayaways. I think this Jets defense is absolutely elite. I think they're a top three defense for sure. Um, but there's just no way that the Jets are going to be able to move the ball on Buffalo. I don't love the Bills either. I think 12 and a half is a little steep, but it's not steep enough for me to be even considering taking the Jets with the points in this game. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, I would need more than 12 and a half if I was going to take. I don't know. I think, I think the thing with Buffalo is that they can. If they can, even though the Jets secondary has been great, if they can get some big plays downfield, it's possible that this game's out of hand like quick, you know, um, if the Jets aren't moving the ball. So that would be the, if that would be the case if you're going to say, if you're going to lay the points with Buffalo. Yeah. But yeah, this isn't a great uh, gambling. This isn't like a one where you, you can really analyze it. You either think Buffalo is going to steamroll them. Uh, which is, I guess, what Vegas thinks and what most people think, or it's going to be close and ugly, but or not. Or, I don't know if it's going to be close, but it's going to be ugly, low scoring. But uh, Buffalo will be ahead the whole time. In which case, you'd not want to get you. You do not want to be give. You don't want to be giving up twelve uh, twelve points in a spread if you're talking about like an ugly AFC East field goal fest, right? Stay away, folks. Do something else this week. These games are awful this coming week. <laughs> you have little kids. It's not too late to hit up the pumpkin patch, right? Yeah, do something. I mean, Halloween ended, but yeah. Well, fall is fall. I don't know. Dress up anyway. The one interesting thing about this game, and one of the things, one of the only reasons to watch this game, from my perspective, is to watch the Sauce Gardner-Stefan Diggs matchup. 
Sauce, as we know, has been unbelievable this year. In my completely unbiased opinion, he's been the best cornerback in the league, even coming in as a rookie, which is crazy to think about. However, Stefan Diggs presents him with the toughest test he's had so far. Uh, I know he got, he did a pretty good job on Jabbar Chase when we played the Bengals, but I think Diggs is even at a, a level a little bit above Jabbar Chase. I'm interested to see what that matchup looks like. As we know, Stefan Diggs is an absolute maniac. If you watched the Bills on Sunday night against the Packers, Stefan Diggs was chirping Jair Alexander on his way out of the locker room to open the game. The Packers are coming out of the tunnel, and Stefan Diggs comes over to get in his face. Now, notice Jair Alexander never covered Stefan Diggs in that game, whether he was scared of him or not. It was Russell Douglas almost the entire time. I don't know if that's because the Packers' corners don't switch sides of the field, or if Diggs straight-up terrified him, or he just picked the wrong guy. Maybe he should have chirped Douglas. I don't know. But Diggs scares the shit out of me as a Jets fan, and it'll be interesting to see how Sauce handles that kind of player. Yeah, absolutely, especially considering, like we talked about, he's already Sauce is already at this point where he uh, offenses are specifically not targeting receivers that he's on so it's going to be interesting to see if he's getting a lot more targets because Diggs is on him like as great as we've seen sauce be yeah this is a good point that this is a great test and and uh as great as we've seen him be we maybe will even see we'll either see more or we'll see him like kind of get the hardest game of his short but pretty incredible career to this date so uh that's a good point that is i guess one one specific matchup that you can kind of key into uh, as you watch this game I will say one thing. I mean, it's not an official thing. It was just from uh, PFF.com, which is just pro fantasy football. But they did a midseason awards, and Sauce Gardner is the defensive rookie of the year for the midseason. Oh, rookie of the year is an absolute lock. I'm just curious if he's the number one corner overall. That's going to wrap things up for here. Just end the show. We will be back next week to talk about the Jets and the Buffalo Bills for some reason. Not sure why we're going to do that, but we will. (laughs) Johnny Christofferson, thank you so much for coming on with us for this one. We love you. What do you got to plug for us? You've got a a podcast of your own. You're on TikTok, right? Oh, yeah. Hey, thanks. Uh, So on Spotify, me and my friend, we started doing a weekly movie podcast called the popcorn power hour you can find us again only on spotify right now just because we're still learning how to market it to other places and i'm on tiktok at movies a minute where i talk about movies and review movies and just talk about some movie news really so everything movies really is what i do besides sports talk in my unbiased opinion the best movie podcast out there on the market and and there's a lot it's the sauce gardener of movie podcasts (laughs) kevin you know what to do Take us out. Just end the show. Just-